Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. Faith is important. Faith is so critical. We have to have faith in Jesus Christ. I remember, Ethan, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I got saved at 19. Being a college football player, all-state running back, MVP of my district, one of the top recruits in the state, and I was absolutely miserable. It made no sense. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I had a lowrider when lowriders was the thing back in the 90s. <laughs> My name was in the newspaper and on television, and I was so unhappy. But when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I said, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been searching for my whole life. The greatest decision you have ever made took place at that altar when you said, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and and be the Lord of my life. No amount of athletic success or worldly acknowledgement will ever make you happy. But what will change you and fulfill you is you saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I have faith in you. And I'm going to live for you. Over 25 years have passed. I have no regrets, zero, of the decision that I've made to follow Jesus. The best decision I've ever made. And I pray that when you're my age one day, that you will continue to testify and say this was the best decision. When Pastor Gary invited me to church and I came and I encountered the living God, Jesus Christ, I was never the same. You're never going to be the same. You will never be the same. There is nothing in the world for you to go back to. Go forward with Jesus. Your life, the life that you will live, you will look back and say, I can't believe God's allowed me to experience all these phenomenal things. When I was 17, I had the vision to travel around the world. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I just knew I was supposed to. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, all of a sudden, he started opening doors for me to travel. And I've not stopped since. All of the dreams and visions in my life came because I said yes to him. Everything in your life that's going to happen that's good will come because you say yes to him. Yes. 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 Why am I taking the time to do this, have this personal Because I need you young people to understand that your yes to Jesus is greater than your yes to anything else in this world. Don't seek to be social media influencers or to be TikTok famous. Seek to be known in heaven. Be like in the book of Acts where the demon 
demon-possessed uh, man, he said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? I pray that the spirit realm would say, I know the young people from Harvest Church because they're doing something that's causing heaven and hell to pay attention. Being known on earth means nothing. Being known in heaven means everything. Amen. Your generation is important. We need you. The church cannot survive without you, young people. The church cannot survive unless you become the next leaders that God's called forth to do the work of the ministry. Everyone in this room, they're going to pass away. And when they pass away, you have to be the ones that say, we're going to carry the banner of Jesus and make him known around the world. You are valuable. We need you. We need you. We need you. Jesus needs you. He has need of you. The church needs you. California needs you. You are valuable. Amen. Father, we just thank you. I pray for the next generation who's whoever's around this room, Lord God, and who's watching online. I pray for an anointing for the next generation that they would be raised up and used mightily for the glory of God. That, Father, you would anoint them and empower them so that they would do a thousand times greater than we've ever done. And you would use them a thousand times more powerfully than you've ever used us. God, let them usher the return of Jesus Christ into the earth as mighty men and women of God, completely committed and sold out for the kingdom of God. Remove every desire in them to be famous in this world and put a desire in them to be known by heaven in the name of Jesus. Use them for your glory and stamp them, Father, with the seal from heaven in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. If you don't mind, just stand with me for a second as I read the scripture and pray over you. And then we're going to move into the word of God. The title of my message today is part two of Mountain Moving Faith. Mountain Moving Faith. Matthew 17, 20 says this, and he replied, this is speaking of Jesus. He said this, he said, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Father, right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray for everyone in this room and those who are watching online. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon them in the name that's above every name. I pray that you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what the spirit of the Lord is saying that they might turn and be healed. You've established the word of God in the heavens. Now establish it 
in all of our hearts and let us be men and women who honor and glorify you. Give us a spirit of humility and give us hearts to receive everything you've ordained for us to receive through the power of the Holy Spirit and the exaltation of the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you, Lord God. Anoint us to be people of great faith in your son, Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. God is so good. I do not believe I'm going to preach long, but I do want to preach strong. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week, we spoke, spoke about how God... Uh, gives us faith to move mountains, and that faith is an action word. Faith is not just something we simply believe in, but it is an action word. And faith can be defined as an action one takes based upon someone or something that they trust in. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about the actions that we take because of the faith that we have in God. Faith uh, would be the actions we take because of the trust we, trust we have in him and in his word. And I want to tell you this. Uh, there are three things that I covered last week that will hinder us and prevent us from walking in the fullness of God and in faith. Some of the things, the unbelief, the things that we yield to that will block our faith and hinder us from walking in God is three things. It is fear, it is unbelief, and it is unworthiness. Fear can be defined as something that paralyzes us from walking in obedience to God. Unbelief is something that causes us to doubt God. And then thirdly, uh, the unworthiness hinders our ability to receive from God. So we're talking about the thing that paralyzes us from walking in obedience to God, the thing that causes us to doubt God, and then thirdly, the thing that hinders us from receiving answers from God. And that's the reason why we have to get rid of unbelief, because God is not limited in his ability to move on our behalf. God's only limited by our ability to receive what he is trying to give us. I'm going to say that again. God is not limited in what he can do on his behalf to bless us, to change us, to transform us. The limitation is on our end. It's our ability to receive what he is trying to give us. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing many miracles, but when he got to Nazareth, he could do very few miracles because of their unbelief. The power of God was not limited through Christ, but their ability to receive from Christ was limited because of their unbelief. And what we have to do is get rid of the unbelief, get rid of the doubt, get rid of the fear, get rid of the feelings of unworthiness that's preventing us from receiving from God. It has always amazed me how I could be praying for people and one person receive miracles, the second person receives nothing, and the third person receive miracles. And I always go back and I say, God, what is it? And it is because unbelief is blocking the person from receiving because they do not believe that God is greater than the circumstance or the situation that they may be currently facing. Amen? Amen. And let me throw this in for those who say, well, pastor, I believe that nothing happened. The second part of that is be patient. Because some miracles 
take time and they have to process before they are answered. Anna in the Bible was a woman who spent her life praying and fasting for the Messiah. She went from a young woman to an elderly woman, and at the end of her life, the answer came forth. The one thing you have to realize is God is not on your timeline of when he answers the prayer. You have to have the faith and the patience to wait until he decides that now is the time for you to receive what he desires to give you. Amen. Amen. Jesus is not a sugar daddy in heaven granting all of your wishes and desires when you feel like it. <laughs> mm. Woo. Those high heels you march up into the throne room of heaven with is not going to make him speed up or change his mind. For some of you adults that got the analogy. You can look as cute as you want. It's not going to make Jesus speed up. You have to be patient and wait until he says now is the time. And I believe that's a word for somebody because timing is just as important as what you have prayed for that he desires to give you. Because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Parents, your teenagers, some of you are blessing them with vehicles and giving them licenses, and it's okay to do it when they're 17 and 18. It's not okay to give your child access to a vehicle when they are 7 and 8. Right thing, wrong timing. And because God loves us and he knows what we have need of, he said, I heard your desire. I heard your request. I'm going to answer your prayer, but just be patient and I'm going to bring it when you are ready to receive and you have matured to the point to where I can give you the blessing and the answer to your prayer. And some of us have an attitude with the Lord because we've been praying and we haven't gotten from him what we want. And God says, you hadn't grown and matured at the level you should have been to receive what I desire to give you. Oh, it, oh that, mm, yes. <laughs> oh, it got real quiet at that moment. See, there's a level of growth, maturity, and maturation you have to go to and through and then God can answer some of the prayers that you've been praying. But some of us have been stuck and not growing at the level that we should have. Some of us are stunted spiritually in our growth, and God can't answer some of your prayers because you're not mature enough to handle what he desires to give you. And then we blame God and say, I prayed and prayer doesn't work because God hadn't answered me. God says, I'm ready to answer. You have matured to the level to receive what you desire to, to receive in prayer. I'm preaching better than your responses right now. Paul told them, by now you should be eating meat, but you are still on milk. He was saying there was a level of maturity and growth that the people in Corinth should have had that allowed them to receive the more of God. But their immaturity and their unwillingness to obey and follow the direction of God was hindering them from receiving from God. So we need to learn how to stop blaming God, look in the mirror and say, Lord, is it me? 
am I responsibility, responsible for my prayers not being answered? Am I doing something that's blocking you from responding from heaven because I refuse to obey and follow what you've been telling me to do for 10, 20, 30 years? You cannot disobey God for two or three decades and wonder why he's not answering your prayers. And then have a tamper tantrum and throw a fit and get mad at God. And God says, you have not done what I've been asking you to do. Stop getting upset. Cain and Abel bring their offerings to God. Cain brings fruit. Abel brings the, the lamb, the animal. God accepted the animal and he rejected the fruit. And then Cain was upset, had an attitude, was mad at God. And the Lord was like, you knew what I required of you. Why did you bring me the wrong thing and expect the right response? Why did you give me what you wanted to give me instead of what I was asking from you and then got mad that I didn't respond and reciprocate your disobedience and your unwillingness to follow what I've been trying to tell you? Look at your neighbor say, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. <laughs> it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Mm. Praise God. That's not my notes. That was that was free. Praise God. <laughs> Faith is an action word, and it's actions that we take because of what we believe. If we believe that he is, then we act like he is. If we believe that he is God, then we act as if he is God. Amen? Let me talk to you about the importance of mustard seed faith. And let me give you David, David and Esther, man and woman of God. I'm going to give you two examples of the situation, the belief, and the action that they took. What was the situation that David was facing that was, that was causing him to have faith in God? The situation that he faced was Goliath was an enemy of God. He was a nine-foot-tall giant who was opposing God's army. He was calling them out. He was using intimidation and fear, and he was trying to provoke and incite them into a war, into a fight, into a skirmish. And David was facing this. David was a kid. He was a teenager. He had taken care of his father's sheep. Goliath was a warrior. He was a man of war. He was a champion. He was a warlord. He was used to killing people and intimidating people. And David being a teenager and Goliath being a warrior who was nine feet tall, this was the situation. Now, here's the reality. David believes that his God was great than the Goliath or the giant that he was facing. 
David believed that his God was greater than Goliath, the giant that he was facing. There are situations in your life that God will allow giants to rise up and he wants to see who your confidence is in. Is your confidence in the giant that's before you or is your confidence in the God who is greater than the giant? And depending on where your faith or your confidence lies will determine the outcome of your situation. God can be with you and ready to fight for you, but you can reject God because you don't believe that he is greater than the situation that you are facing. God can be right there saying, just trust me. Put your eyes on me and I will fight on your behalf. And you have to, by faith, choose to say, Lord, you are well able to cause me to defeat this giant because you are greater than the difficulty I am facing and the situation that's confronting me. And whatever your decision is will determine the outcome. God's already decided he is fighting for us. God has already decided that he is for us. God has already decided that triumph and victory belongs to his sons and daughters. We have to now decide will we embrace and walk in that by faith and allow God to work in us and through us so that he can receive the glory. The greater your difficulty, the greater the miracle, the greater or the more glory God receives. The greater your difficulty, the greater the challenge, the more glory God receives when he works through your situation. Amen? Amen. If someone steals your car or your car is, is, is in a car accident, and then God blesses you. People are like, oh, yeah, praise God. Amen. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they move on with their life. But when God goes to Maui and begins to restore an entire portion of an island and does miracle signs and wonders and bless them, then the whole world will say it had to have been God. And that was a miracle performed. Why? Because the greatness of the problem determines the greatness of the glory that God's going to receive from the difficulty and the challenge. Pastor John, what are you saying? That God will put his children in great difficulty so that he can receive the highest level of glory. When we say, Lord, use me, do something great, God says, wonderful. Goliath, go ahead and step out there on that battlefield. (laughs) Go ahead, Goliath. Oh, no, Lord, I I wasn't asking for giants, Jesus. (laughs) No, I I didn't want all that, God. God says, didn't you you say you wanted to bring me glory? Didn't you say you wanted to see my hand and my power move? Yes, Lord. Okay, yeah, well, I sent the giant. (laughs) Because when the giant is defeated, then everyone will know that it was by the hand of God that this victory has come forth. Do you know that God is waiting to get glory from his name through your situation, you just have to invite him and give him permission. Saul saw the same giant, heard the same threats, and, and, and 
viewed the same difficulty, and he said, we can't do nothing about that. David saw the same giant, heard the same threats, and viewed the same difficult, and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would stand and defy the armies of the living God? He said, my God's about to bust him in the head and make an example of him before everyone out here on this battlefield. Same problem, same difficulty, same challenge, different perspective. One person walked in unbelief and doubt, and the other one said, I have faith and confidence in what my God is able to do. And Saul, who was a king and a warrior, should have been on the battlefield, but because he chickened out, God had to pick a 15-year-old boy taking care of his daddy's sheep and send him out there and whip the giants behind. God just wants someone to believe him. God just wants someone to have a little bit of faith like a mustard seed and step out and command the mountain to be removed and cast into the sea. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. He just wants to know, will you bring glory to his name by trusting him and have faith and confidence in God's ability, not your ability? Amen? Amen. The next situation was Esther. Esther and her people faced total annihilation. She had to go before the king without being summoned, which was immediately punishable by death. And she faced three major obstacles in doing this. Now, the king before had a wife named Veshta. She, went, she, she was called before the king. I'm not even going to go there. She was called before the king. She was supposed to do her thing, and, and, and she didn't. The king got upset, kicked her out of the palace, kicked her out of the kingdom, said, you're not my wife anymore. Get out of here. Esther now is in a very similar situation to where she's about to go before the king, but if the king does not acknowledge her, then she can be put to death immediately. And this was number and three difficulties. She was in a male-dominated society where women were treated like property and considered disposable. Here's the reality. All of you who have one, if, you, if you're married, then give me a wave here. Amen. I'm assuming that all of you have one wife. I'm just making an assumption. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'm, no, I hope I'm right. But I'm assuming that all of you have one wife. <laughs> Amen. The king not only had Esther as a wife, but he had 360 concubines. He had options. He had choices. Every night he was walking around like uh, Teddy Pendergrass talking about, come on and go with me. Come on over to my place. He had options. So if Esther was removed, it wasn't like his life or lifestyle changed, if you understand what I'm talking about. 
Number two, she had no parents or a mother figure to teach her about femininity and how to be a woman and how to be a queen. And she was competing with close to a thousand women in this competition of who was going to be the next queen of the nation. And thirdly, she was faced with being a foreigner who looked different, spoke a different language, and worshipped a different God than the ones that were popular in society. She had everything working against her except for one thing. God was on her side, even though her circumstances seemed bleak. And because she had faith, everyone says faith. Because she had faith. She went into the throne room of the king, and the king accepted her. Esther chapter 5 and verse 1 says this. It says, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of his scepter. At that moment, she was spared. She was not going to be put to death. Amen? Amen. And her act of bravery, pleading for her people, saved millions of Jews from being annihilated and destroyed, even though everything in her situation said this is a bad idea. God allowed her to have favor with the king because the greater the difficulty, the more glory God gets when his people have faith to trust him to walk through difficult situations. Could it be the very thing that you despise and you hate that you are currently in that you're saying, God, this is too tough. God, this is too difficult. God, this is too crazy. God, this is too rough. God, I don't understand what's going on. God, this is taking too long. God, this is just too many problems. Could it be that God wants to work the greatest miracle that you have ever seen in your life through the greatest challenge that you are currently facing? What you call a problem, God says, will be a part of your testimony if you would have faith and allow him to be the God of miracles. Stop complaining about the miracle that God has brought into your life because you don't have eyes to see it for what it really is. God's trying to do a miracle, and all you could do is get on the telephone and fuss and complain about what you don't like about what's happening in your life right now. God says, I'm trying to bless you, and you keep cursing it with your mouth because there is life and death in the power of the tongue. Who? What God is calling clean, you're calling unclean. What God's trying to bless, you keep crossing it up. God wants to do a miracle. Amen? Amen. Matthew 17, 20 says this. He said, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing, everyone say nothing and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. 
in the Greek, the word nothing means nothing. <laughs> the word nothing is translated as nothing. Nothing will be impossible if you have faith and believe and have confidence that he is able to do immeasurably more than anything that you could ask, think, or imagine. This is my close. The NIV application commentary says, Jesus does not point to the amount of faith, but rather to its effectiveness. By using the contrast of the mustard seed, which is the smallest seed known in Palestine, he declares that even the smallest amount of faith can accomplish tremendous feats. God, I just need a little, I just have to trust you a little bit. I just have to believe you could do this a little bit. The disciples themselves would declare that they have faith larger than a, uh, a larger f amount of faith than the size of a mustard seed. So Jesus was getting them to look at the real nature of faith. It was not the amount of faith that is in question, but rather it's focused. Understanding that Jesus, if you're involved in the situation, it doesn't matter what is facing me, you can perform a miracle and I can come out of this with a testimony of the greatness of God and to you will be all the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.